Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah Austin, and this is season two of the She Burns podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Jim Young. Several years ago, Jim Young emerged from a 25-year career as a corporate leader suffering from a severe case of burnout. After hitting the eject button mid-flight, he reinvented his career and his life with an aim to change his story for good. Jim now works as a coach, speaker, and author. He can usually be found working directly with male leaders on moving away from burnout and into expansive intimacy while simultaneously helping their companies do the same. All right. So welcome, Jim. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Hannah, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be on the podcast, especially knowing that I might be the first guy who's ever been on this podcast. Yes, you're the inaugural guy. Thank you. Like we talked about, you're the first male guest on the She Burns podcast. And I just really wanted to take a moment and highlight the importance of and the intent of our conversation today. Last month, when you and I first met and I heard your story, it really resonated with me. And what struck me the most is that our stories were so aligned. I'm a female, you're a male. And it was so refreshing for me as a woman to hear from a male's perspective, what your experience was with burnout and the key lessons that you've learned along your journey. My hope today is that our listeners hear this interview and that there will be some key learnings for them about some new ways to identify, support, and connect with the men in their lives who may also be suffering from burnout. Thank you. I, I, I think there's a lot there. I can't wait to explore it. Perfect. So why don't we start with you telling me and our listeners a little bit about your personal burnout story? Sure. I could start probably at the age of nine when my mom (laughs) invited me to take out the trash and the way that she did it, she had just kicked her live-in boyfriend out. He was an abusive, addictive sort of person, really difficult to have in the house. And she had kicked him out the week before. And it was Tuesday night. And she said, it's it's time to take out the trash. And since you're a man of the house, you need to take the trash out. I've reflected on that many times in therapy and also just you know, over the years and realized that what that did is it planted what I like to refer to as a burnout seed in me. It was this belief of who I had to be and what I had to do in order to feel safe, in order to take care of my family, to be a male provider at a really early age, uh, which is a big part of my narrative and a uh, part of the research that I've done on burnout. And to maybe put the the closing chapter on it, there's certainly a lot in between, but I really hit the depths of burnout uh, about eight years ago, um, working in a tech startup company. I was in senior leadership. I eventually became president of this organization and I had so much going on. I'd just gone through divorce. I was dealing with the death of my grandmother, taking on way too much, still trying to take out the trash for 
everybody. And I just hit a wall. I just, I had to, I had to walk away and, and, and leave the organization for a month. And I, I came back, I burned out again, and I eventually left for good. So it was a, a long journey to recognize my burnout and have those seeds, you know, kind of turn into something that I guess I couldn't harvest anymore. Yeah, I love, I mean, I I don't like to hear that story, but I love what you said about kind of those initial seeds being planted. And a lot of the people that I speak with, they actually put a timeline on their burnout and they think it was just with their corporate job. But now that they look back, there's along the way, like you said, in their childhood, those seeds are planted along the way. And it really comes down to our beliefs, right? I mean, how, how we're socialized in society and then also how we are um, raised as well. And our belief in ourselves, when you discovered that you were burned out kind of the last time, um, did you ask for help and who did you, who did you turn to? No, I didn't really, not for a while. It took me a while to recognize that what had happened to me, what I was experiencing was burnout Mm -hmm. and I didn't know who to ask for help from. I didn't see it as even a viable option. And I know from a male perspective with the cultural norms that Mm -hmm. we have that we're not supposed to ask for help. We're Mm -hmm. supposed to be strong and stoic and in control and not have emotions. And so in a context like that, where I was like, I'm, I'm a mess and I'm, I'm afraid. And like, it it invited so much shame for me. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't reach out for help until a couple of years later, um, I, I started the first place that I found help was not specifically for burnout. It was in an Al-Anon room. I had been in relationships throughout my life with a lot of people with addictions to alcohol. And I found my way into an Al-Anon room and I started to realize all of these things about me that were also part of my burnout in the ways that I was trying to take care of everybody else and Mm -hmm. not myself. Wow. It's amazing that you found a a pearl of wisdom in Al-Anon, right? I mean, here you are, you're having burnout and you're looking through all those patterns. And of course, Al-Anon, they put it right in front of you, right? And you're listening to people's stories. Was that kind of the first moment that you're like, okay, it's not necessarily a burnout support group, but there's so many different patterns and I'm not alone. And when you realize that you weren't alone, what did that feeling feel like? Oh, I sobbed. It was such a relief to Ugh. be able to be in this room and to be able to share my story and know it wasn't going to go anywhere else and nobody was going to yes. shame me for it or anything. And and I cried through a lot of those meetings for a while. I was just letting out so much built up stress, anxiety, fear, mm-hmm. anger, you name it. Um, I was really coming alive by letting out a lot of this, this pain I'd held in for a really, really long time. And did, were there other men? I mean, did you look around and were there other men kind of feeling those same feelings and they just were in a private place and nobody knew about it? Or was it mostly women and then Jim? Do you mean specifically in the Al-Anon rooms? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was largely female. Okay. I would say maybe it was a 70-30 mix. Okay. But there were other men there and that was essential for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man brought me to my very first meeting. And it was this moment where I was like, oh, here's this guy who I thought was like really strong, Mm -hmm. bringing me to this place where you go and you get help. And it was really helpful to see, you know, to follow his footsteps literally and figuratively, but also to see these other men, some of whom had been working that program for decades, really showing up vulnerably and showing their true selves instead Mm -hmm. of just this, this false veneer that says, I got it. Everything's fine. 
at that moment, when you had, you said you, you, you consider this man strong, it sounds like you looked up to him and then he's kind of guiding you to this new way of thinking. Did your, did that, at that moment, did your, um, vision or thought or strength, the word strength or strong change in your mind Were you like, okay, this is what strong is. Strong is stepping up to the plate saying that I have an issue, reaching out, asking for help. Did that pivot or change the lens anymore? That's where it started to change for me. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think I'd ever considered it because mm-hmm. I've I've really come to understand strength over the past eight, nine, 10 years in a much fuller way. Good. And that it is about all of the parts of us and our, our courage to show who we really are and what we really feel. And yeah, it was, it started there. Wonderful. After you were, you know, getting the help that you needed and you saw some role models who were demonstrating what a new level of strength or or being strong meant, what was that journey like for you? Did it happen overnight? Was it months? Were you able to kind of go back into your old life or old ways? What was that pivotal point for you of like starting to heal and feeling that healing? For me, because it had been several decades of packing it in and hiding Mm -hmm. what was really going on, it took me years, honestly, to get out. And it was this compartmentalized way. I kind of think of it as, you know, if you had kids and you you had those little section trays that have the different (laughs) servings that nothing ever touches, right? Yeah. Like I I would start with one part of my life Mm -hmm. and I would feel like, okay, I can be in, in in the Al-Anon rooms, I can be fully myself. But when I go to work, I still have to be Mm -hmm. locked down. I got to be wearing a mask you know, with my kids. Can I be more vulnerable with friends? Can I be more vulnerable? Eventually there wasn't much left other than my professional life where I felt like I wasn't being truly myself. And then I finally let that go. And it's like, cool. I just get to be myself all the time. It's a, it's amazing. Did, did you try to let go at work and it didn't go well, or you just had in your mind that you had to still compartmentalize yourself at the work in the work arena as well? A lot of it was the latter, that the cultures that I worked in did not seem to welcome me showing up with emotions or vulnerabilities. I was in leadership positions. I mean, I was a president. I was a CIO. I was in Mm -hmm. these big decision-making roles in organizations and it didn't feel welcome. And Mm -hmm. anytime that I, you know, sort of, sort of edged into that territory, I remember doing this with my boss one time and talking about some really vulnerable stuff. And, And it was actually, my boss was a woman and, and she came back at me with like this, this backlash. Flashed. So I was like, whoa, whoa, what, you know, she just wanted me to get back to focusing on work. Wow. Wow. That's surprising. So what was the biggest surprise of burnout and how it affected you? Were you like, okay, well, I'm personal and I'm a dad, so I can be a little bit more open to my kids. Obviously I know I have to kind of shut that point part of myself off at work, but what's been the biggest surprise overall at burnout? Was it the fact that it took so long to heal? Was it, was it that you're still on the journey? Like what was the biggest aha for you? The biggest aha for me has actually come in the last six months to six to nine months. I came across some research by uh, a doctor uh, by the name of Dyke Drummond, who explains that burnout isn't a problem. And I was like, what are you talking It's not a problem. Of course, it's a huge problem. And he said, no, it's not a problem because problems have solutions. Right. And burnout, if it had a solution, we wouldn't be dealing with it to the extent that we are. It's a dilemma. It's hmm. this complicated mix of problems that requires a, a customized set of strategies for each person. And when I heard that, I was like, of course, that makes total sense. And I realized in the wake of that, 
insight what strategies I had built over the years. Because by that point, I was out of burnout. And I realized like, oh, I, I used strategies. I didn't use a single solution. I started trying a bunch of different things and finding what worked for me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Isn't that an amazing aha when those research people kind of come out of the woodwork and you're like, you stumble on an article and you're like, why did I not know this before? This is so life-changing and it changes your lens. Um, you know, you talked before about, you know, strategies as you've healed from burnout, what strategies did you use that worked and what didn't, right? So if we have a male listener today or any of our listeners today, and they're like, God, what can I do? What would be Jim's takeaways? What strategies would you say you would start with? My number one strategy has been community in broad brush strokes. It started with that Al-Anon room, those Al-Anon groups. Uh, It continued uh, in a very unexpected place. I do improv comedy. Uh, I actually followed my kids into it. They were doing improv comedy classes after school. I was like, I got to try this. And I found another amazing community where I could be myself. I became a coach a few years back when I left my corporate career to to into something I loved. And I found a whole new community in the coaching industry of just wonderfully open-hearted people, big mm-hmm. souls out, you know, out front. And I actually realized over time that in those communities, in those spaces with those trusted relationships, what I was building was intimacy. I was mm. building intimate connections with so many people where I could trust them. They could trust me. We could bring whatever we had. And therefore all, and I have so many of them now that all the stresses that pop up in my life, I have somewhere to take them. Mm. They don't stay inside me. I don't burn out. So nice. I think that that's, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about intimacy when we talk a little bit about your book, but isn't it interesting how with COVID, it seemed like COVID has really shined a bright spot on burnout, right? Thousands of people were burning out. Millions of people have burned out before COVID. Like it wasn't, you know, this unique thing that COVID brought burnout, <laughs> but it's certainly uncovered and unearthed a lot more cases of burnout or people talking about it, bringing it to the forefront. But it isn't an interesting how you said your first strategy would be tapping into community and what COVID really showed us and highlighted is how isolated we became. So do you think that COVID was really in this, you know, great resignation and this pandemic and all the implications? Do you think that that's a reason why burnout has come so up to the full surface and unearthed right now because that connection was taken away? What, what would what would kind of be your thoughts on that? Yeah, between the connection being taken away and and having to look at ourselves in this different way, we had to reorient so much of our lives and realize what do we care most about? I mean, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 51, I'll be 52 later this year. And I've had a couple of friends from high school die in recent years, tragic, you know, circumstances being, you know, that young. And, and I was like, oh, mortality, mm-hmm. right? I'd never thought about my mortality on any serious level. And I think the pandemic caused us all to think about our mortality because we didn't know for so long, like, am I going to catch this and die? Right. And it's like, so then it was like, so then the question is, well, what really matters? Mm -hmm. And like, wait a minute, I'm spending 60 hours a week at work and I'm coming home frustrated and I'm not spending quality time with the people that I love the most. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. For sure. Definitely raised it to the surface. And I think now more than ever with, you know, people like you and people like me that are highlighting people who have been through burnout and there's life on the other side, there's really a great life on the other side. Once you work through burnout and implement strategies, there's a lot of things that don't work and trust me, it's painful, but it's worth it at the end. This season's podcast is all about resiliency. 
Mm -hmm. And we're talking to women and we're exploring the question, what do you do when you're done, when you're so done, Mm -hmm. but you just can't be done? What advice would you give to our male listeners, female listeners about working through burnout and leaning into the theme of resiliency? What would you say? My first thought on that is stretch the timeline. I think we're so, we get so fixed on when things need to happen and Mm. the pressure starts to build up. And as a single parent who has a job, who has a social life, like there's so much going, I own a home, like all the things that you have to do. And I can get myself pretty quickly still into this notion of, oh, I've got to do something. And, and, if I can stretch that timeline, if I can look at when does it really need to happen? Mm-hmm. I know create space for rest because for me, the other thing that comes up around resiliency is I need to rest. Mm. I can't be on all the time. It's not how we're designed as, as creatures. Right. We're just not physically wired that way. So how do I create more space in my life so that I can rest and have the bounce back for what I need to do next. Mm -hmm. As you think about that, it sounds like you've learned to rest and learn to stretch that time a little bit. And those, that's where those burnout strategies come in. Tell us a little bit about what a bright spot has been for you post burnout, right? So we all talk about burnouts. Hell, it's painful. It's rough. You know, you're facing your inner demons. You're going back to your childhood and why you are the way you are all that trash taking out. But yes, There's also some really bright spots about burnout. What would be kind of your one bright spot when you think back and you're like, God, Jim, you know, that was it. That was my moment. For me, it would be that it allowed me to understand my emotions and and to develop emotional intelligence and, and all the benefits and gifts that's provided me in the professional realm as well as in my personal relationships, Mm -hmm. I had to face some really hard emotions that I just didn't want to. And I didn't for a long time. And they eventually boiled over and I was like, okay, I got to deal with it. And, and it, you know, it burned some things out of me that needed to be burned out. Mm -hmm. What would you say to men, women in general, who are keeping their emotions so close to them? They were raised that way. They were told to sit down and shut up or just work through it or hard there, you know, you have to put in a good hard day work, you know, whether that means 10, 12 hours, even if it winds you up in the hospital, what would you say to those men and people right now that are like, I would love to tap into emotions. That sounds so great, Jim, Oprah, Mm -hmm. Hannah, but how do you do it? Like, how do you do it? And what are the steps that you can actually tangibly do to get from the emotions in your body to out? Yeah. A few things that I've done include just giving myself time to sit and be quiet. So mindfulness practices, whether it's formal meditation or anything else, So I can just be honest with what's coming through me. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to think my way through what's going on, actually feel, they're called feelings. Yeah. What do you feel in your body? What do you, you might even feel it in your head. That's cool. That's where, you know, a lot of men spend a lot of their times. Um, And, and then find what's a safe space where you can be honest with that. Mm -hmm. And it might not be with another person for a while. Mm -hmm. I wrote in journals for for years, I I did them as electronic documents and I've got like 300 pages of journals. Wow. It was part of my emotional processing 
because that's where I could do it safely, where I could figure myself out and feel safe enough to then say to somebody, hey, this is how I feel. I feel scared about this. I feel anxious about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it helped me develop my emotional vocabulary in doing that. Uh, there's emotional vocabulary wheels for people that maybe like me who started off like, yeah. you know, mad, mad sad, glad. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. To, yeah. To like look at one of those and be like, oh, it's not mad that I feel. I, I feel frustrated. Mm -hmm. I feel furious. You know, yeah. I'm just really starting to educate myself about how I felt. Do you think you can break through burnout without tapping into the why you burned out in the first place? Hmm. I don't think you can stay out. Mm -hmm. I think you could probably get out. Uh, that's yeah. a great question. I've never pondered that. Um, yeah, I think you can, you could take some strategies that would move you into a better space. But if you haven't dealt with whatever that core issue is like, for me, it's people pleasing. It's, yeah. it's keeping other people safe instead of myself. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't identified that and, and gotten aware, and I can't say rooted it out because it still wants to come up, but I'm just aware of it so that I can catch myself. Uh, if I hadn't done that, I would probably be, you know, in another burnout cycle or, or ready for one to come. Yeah. I, I love the the question about, you know, if you don't unearth or you don't tackle on those, you know, deep issues or roots. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people that I speak to when they don't address that and they use a couple strategies or so they think they try to self-help their way, journal their way out of burnout yeah. um, without the community, like you mentioned, and without tackling, you know, what am I really feeling, right? What am I really feeling or taking that space? It is a cycle. I mean, most of us who have actually crashed and burned, burned out years ahead, decades oh, ahead. Yeah. So I think it's that cycle that really needs to be addressed. Let's talk a little bit about the book you're writing. Cause that's really mm. how, um, you and your, my connection really started is, as I saw on LinkedIn that you posted, Hey everyone, I'm writing a book. And I have to admit when I first saw it, uh, I read part of the LinkedIn post that said about burnout. I thought, oh God, here we go. We're all writing a book on burnout. But what really struck <laughs> me, honestly, about your book was the fact that you're also weaving intimacy in there and men. And I'd love to hear more a little bit more about your book and what you're really delving into for our listeners. Yeah. And I love that, Hannah, that uh, it's like, oh, great. Here's another burnout book, right? Well, from one burnout queen to king, another. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. And it, you know, it is a huge problem. Um, when I set out to write the book, I knew I wanted to write about a different perspective. I wanted to write it from a men's perspective because I haven't seen a lot of material out there. I mean, me being the first man on, on your podcast is another data point in that yep. story that I see of like burnout is acknowledged by women. Bravo to all of you for acknowledging what's real. And for men, it isn't. And so how can I make that more accessible? How can I open up a conversation, make it relatable where guys can be like, oh yeah, what's going on for me is burnout and it's not good for me and it's not good for all the people around me. Mm -hmm. And as I delved into it, I knew I wanted to write about this uncommon way that I stumbled into my on my own path of intimacy that as I've referenced before, building all of those intimate relationships, whether it's with my improv teammates or with my kids or with my partner or with my friends or with my ex-wife, like I have intimacy in all of these relationships. And it came from that emotional reckoning. It came from therapy work. It came from recovery work. But there's there are a lot of paths into, into intimacy, just as there are all these paths into burnout that are unique. Well, the strategies, the multi-pronged strategy that we need to solve a big dilemma like burnout 
intimacy provides it. And that's what I realized that I had recovered from burnout by building this intimate web of connections around me so that I have joy in my life. I have people that I can cry in front of. I have people who support me, people who can help me work out problems. Um, and the other thing that I, the other topic, and I don't think we talked about this last month, or maybe I was just scratching the surface of it. But as I wrote the book, I realized a third topic belonged in there and it's shame. So it's, yeah. burnout, shame, and intimacy for men. Uh, it's just a, it's a really interesting tangle uh, where shame sits in the middle, keeps us, gets us, gets men into burnout because they feel like they have to be this provider. And if they fall short of that standard, they're shamed. Mm-hmm. Once they're in burnout, it's too shameful to admit that because now I need help mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not manly enough again. Yeah. And on the other side is intimacy and there's shame around that too. Like shame that I, I want to open up to somebody. I want to share my emotions with another man, uh, with people that aren't my, my, you know, romantic partner. Um, so yeah, it's been a really fascinating learning process for me to, to do the writing on that. It sounds like the untangling is there's, um, there's healing in the untangling. And I'm curious, you know, I'd love to hear, um, you know, after the book is released and, you know, people start buying it, you know, what the feedback is. Like I can imagine comments like I never knew, or I I don't feel so so alone, or this is exactly what I needed or, but I think getting there, right. Getting there to even buy the book, like there's a lot of men that I know that yeah. would look at that on the shelf or, or scroll through um, Amazon or, and be like that, Oh, I don't need that or that type of thing. And so I think for those people, it's like, you know, how are they going to get the help that they need? And I love what you said about, you know, tapping into your community. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's going to be more men's groups after this, or if someone that does attend an Al-Anon meeting or whatever their bright spot is in their journey yeah. that will start that healing. I'm really hopeful that's going to happen. And I hope that men are able to rise this topic up kind of, uh, to the surface so that we can really talk through it. Um, I'm curious in your book and maybe you've, um, you can't tell us now cause it's a sneak peek, but, um, if you're going to talk a little bit about the impacts in a relationship. So I know when I crashed and burned on the bathroom floor and then went to the hospital and then went to try to self-care myself out of burnout, I came back thinking I'm a new woman. I'm not burned out anymore. I'm saved, you know, and my husband's like, uh, you know, I went through this journey, but he didn't necessarily go through this journey, although he watched me. So I don't want to say collateral damage, but the the relationships around you and the healing that has to take place, not only from within, but as a partner, as a wife, as a father, and as kids, right? I mean, your kids saw you do this. So what would be your advice? Or are you exploring this in your book around the power of not only community, but family and your inner networks around burnout? Yeah, they're definitely in there. I mean, the book, the working title of the book is Expansive Intimacy, because I I want it. I want us to realize that we have it everywhere, and family is the first place that we experience it. And for me, family and tight friendships—those have been challenged in my burnout journey. As yeah. I have recovered, as I have healed, as I've become a whole person. Yes. The people on the other side of those relationships don't expect that. They don't even want that. They yeah. want to be the person who took care of their needs without me, without them even asking. Yes. And in some cases, you know, it's been slow, and we've recalibrated the relationship and things are, you know, just as good or better than they ever were. 
in some cases, we're still clunking along a little bit. And I've had some relationships that I've had to let go of because mm. what I value in life, the honesty, the, you know, the, the kindness like, to myself and others, it's, it's a different, it's a different set of values on the other side. And I didn't realize it until I had kind of opened my eyes up to what, how I was living. And I realized like, oh yeah, you know, we've worked on it, but yeah, right now we, you know, we can't be in that same relationship. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I I've experienced that as well is, you know, the people that I thought were going to be around for me when I uncovered Mm. true Hannah, um, some most have been there. Right. But, and then we've laughed and cried together, but a lot of them aren't, prepared for the boundaries yeah. that I've needed to set or, um, the nose, the nose, mm-hmm. or, you know what, that doesn't work for me. How about this? You know, and those kind of statements. And there is a certain amount of, you lose parts of yourself. You excavate part of yourselves in your burnout journey, because you're trying to get down to the true gym and the true Hannah, but you yeah. also are excavating relationships and bringing those relationships that maybe you even thought were never going to be close people surprise you as well, right? That they're able to rise to the challenge challenge or the occasion. And they're also like, oh, I'm really liking this intimate conversation. And then you're able to like go deep with someone that you're like, I didn't realize that they could ever go deep. <laughs> yeah, I have, there's uh, there's somebody on my improv troupe and we've been performing together for four years. And I love her. I've always loved her. She's hilarious. And it's always felt like we're just, you know, we're, we're more, almost more acquaintances than yeah. friends. Like we're, we're not close friends. Right. And in the last couple of years, and this may be also pandemic related, um, but we've just gotten so much closer. I remember mm-hmm. one, one day after a, a show, she came up to me afterwards as we were kind of getting ready to go. And she's like, I love you. I'm like, yeah. I love you too. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. there's so, so much more of that flying around in my life than there ever was before those three words. That's so wonderful. And I think just tapping into those, like you said, I love what you said about, you know, community and the importance of community. And, you know, there's going to be some really dark times and breaking through burnout and working through burnout, but there's also such bright spots now being on the other side of burnout and like almost looking at it, like, okay, that was pre-jet, like pre-burnout gym. And now it's post-burnout gym. Mm. What, what would you say, um, would be the biggest advice to people listening? Like what hope could you give them? Right. If you work through burnout or you work through these emotions or you help identify your emotions, then what? Mm. That people aren't gonna, aren't gonna push you away. Mm. That, that, this is normal. This is actually normal. And you're not some, and I'm you know, thinking specifically of the male audience that I usually speak to is that you're not this weak, defective, unmanly person because you got into a rut where you ended up burning out that we actually want you as your full self, because mm-hmm. when you're burned out, you're not, you're just not good to yourself. You're not good for all people around you in the ways that you can be. We want that. So, you know, dropping the idea that it's shameful, that it's weak. Uh, you touched on it earlier. It's it's funny that you mentioned it because it's the, the subtitle of my book I'm still playing with, but it, it might be something like expansive intimacy, the ultimate tough guy move, mm. like flipping the narrative. Yeah. But to yeah. be intimate for a guy, that's actually what's harder than being stoic and what, you know, robotic yeah. and all of that. Like let's, let's actually be tough. Let's mm-hmm. show our, our full selves. I love that. I have to tell you, I value my male friends so much. And I 
love to get into really deep conversations with them. Uh, first, it was a test in my 20s and 30s, but now I really crave that intimacy with a lot of men outside of my husband. And I think a lot of people think when they think intimacy, they think cuddling and they think sex, truly. But the root of the intimacy really is connecting two souls, sharing back and forth, a mutual exchange. And in that, I almost want to say to men and women, if without into intimate connections, whether it's with your kids or your spouse or your best friend or other men or other women, you aren't really alive. No. Because that's where the growth happens and that's where the love happens and that's where the secret sauce per se happens. So I, I think if you really want to turn someone on or turn their light on or ignite them from inside, intimacy is the key. Yeah, we have to reveal ourselves mm -hmm. in order to experience intimacy. We need to be with other people and, and be curious about them and reveal yeah. things about ourselves. We yeah. have to let our inner worlds be accessible to other people. Yeah. And when we do that, we, we build these relationships where now it's like we can just flow back and forth on anything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm so glad you called out, you know, intimacy as the, you know, being euphemized, you've made into a euphemism, whatever that is, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That it's not sex. It, it mm -hmm. is. And yeah. it's so much more than that. And that's right. why, you know, expansive intimacy uh, made sense for me is like, let's, let's break that open. Right? Mm -hmm. There's all these different ways that we can experience intimacy with each other through spiritual experiences or intellectually or physically, non-sexually. Yeah. Um, and sexually like that's, that's, it's that's, all, it's all things, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I'm just excited to have this conversation. I was kind of going back and forth, like, should I have Jim on? Cause he's a dude and you know, it's a woman's <laughs> podcast, but I think it's important now more than ever that as you know, women have uncovered burnout and we're starting to get more comfortable with it. And organizations are like really realizing that this is a pandemic and epidemic in its own. Right. Um, it's a yeah. real issue. We have to address that. You know, when I'm going and coaching and, and speaking to these organizations, you know, my program was for women, but now I had to open it up to everybody's burning out. What can we all do? Um, it shouldn't be gender specific. It is a human problem. Um, mm -hmm. not a problem, but you know, human dilemma yeah. and yeah. we all have to solve it all hands on deck together. I'm going to flip the script a little bit to um, a little bit of a lighter topic, although I'm yeah. super excited about your book. Um, I want to ask you, because you're a comic and you like humor, uh, kind of a fun question, if I may. Um, if I could tell you that you would only live one place for the rest of your life, and it would be all in the world, and I gave you a one-way first-class ticket to go there, where would you choose to live and why? Oh, man. That is such a good question. I can't wait to hear your answer. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go with Canada, even though it's an amazing country. It's just too cold. Okay. Yeah. Um, love Canadians. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. I don't know why. Um, sorry for the Canadian listeners out there. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the best place I've ever been, like the most magical beautiful, peaceful place of her Venice, Hawaii. Ooh. And I would go back to probably Kauai and mm. just, you know, be, be near a beach. Like that's, that's like the visceral thing of like, especially coming out of New England winter. Oh God, <laughs> like I can imagine. Like, get me to freaking Hawaii right now. You just want sun. I'm going to FedEx you a, a sun lamp. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, 
And, and I think it's, for me, it's actually not necessarily a geographic place. Mm. Um, it's a place like what I want really is I want that community. I'm so, mm. I'm like a community junkie now. It's like, I want to be at the improv theater where everybody goes to laugh mm. at the same time. Cause that's the most spiritual place that I know. Um, I want to be, you know, actually the very first thought that entered my head was like, well, I just want to be at my partner's house yeah and be with her because we love each other so much mm. and I just want to spend time with the people I love but that would be too exclusive I I, I want to be around all my people right <laughs> that's where I want to be well, you can have some intimate moments with your partner but then also go to Kauai <laughs> that's right or we could go to Kauai together exactly exactly <laughs> better. Uh, I'm curious you know when you are done writing your book and you're launching your book and your first hundred copies are mm. purchased yeah. what are you going to do to celebrate your journey from crashing and burning to crashing and burning to the Al-Anon, like all, when you think back at like, it's almost like you're on your deathbed and like all these like burnout flashes or like your whole life flashes before your eyes. Now that you've like put your baby, everything down in this book, because that's what it truly is. This is your heart, your soul, your intimacy. This is your, I'm sure you've had tears as you're writing frantically as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm having to process. Yeah. I mean, it's therapy. Oh, it's like free therapy. So well, not free, but you know, whatever. Yeah. How are you going to celebrate, Jim? Because this is an accomplishment and I'm super excited for you. How are you going to celebrate? Uh, my partner's writing a book at the same time. So we'll be celebrating at the same time, I bet. Awesome. Um, I, I think the celebration for me is is going to be to thank a lot of people. I mean, mm. for me, like that, like I didn't write this book. Like this book, you know, is being written through me, through all of these relationships and all of these people who mm. helped me people who, including people who were there while I was burning out and maybe were like right alongside with me on the bus. Yeah. Like, I want to just be grateful for all of that. And, and I'll probably also like, I'm a foodie, so I'll probably, you know, go out for a really nice dinner someplace, which I don't, I haven't had the chance to do nearly enough lately. <laughs> I've found once I got past the the real depths of burnout, Gratitude became an essential for me because I had to recognize like, oh, I'm not there anymore. And even yeah. though I wasn't exactly where I wanted to be yet, I did kind of a full life rebuild in my 40s and it was hard. It was really hard sometimes. As I got gratitude about what I already had, everything else seemed to clear in front mm. of me. It just became a lot less friction, a lot easier. And I, you know, so I'm, I'm going to have a, a big gratitude party in some way. That sounds incredible. I love hearing you say that the first, um, knowing that we're tackling people pleasing, but the first thing that you're going to do is have a gratitude party and thank people. Because I think the other piece that I think a lot of people don't touch on is how um, isolating burnout can be and how Mm -hmm. lonely it can be in the Mm -hmm. beginning. But if you do it right and you work through it, um, you have people cheering you along the way, propelling you along the way, being creative with you, showing up at improv, going to Al-Anon meetings. You, you can meet the partner of your dreams during this yeah. because you are rebuilding the life or building a life that you've always known you've yearned for and wanted. Yep. It's painful to get there, but once you do, God, it feels good. Wow. Thank you for just recapping my book, <laughs> Hannah. That was exactly what I wrote. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, my friend, for joining me today and for being the first man on the She Burns podcast. I 
um, consider you a champion of women since it's also women's international day. Um, and just, I really love what you said about the importance of intimacy and connection and unveiling who you truly are and how, um, as men and as women, um, it's all about tapping into who you truly are and being yourself in all facets of your life and in all compartments on the plate. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me I really appreciate being on this platform. Women have been so instrumental in my my whole life. I actually wrote a post that I put up today about International Women's Day, just thanking all the women who've been mentors and supporters for me in my life. And one of the things that I found for me and for a lot of the men who come to me for coaching is they come through their women. Mm. Their women, you all have so much influence on the men in your lives and they might be suffering in silence and they might need a little nudge from you. Um, and you know, there are guys like me out there who are in organizations that are there to catch them and help them get, you know, to a place that they can build that life that they want with you. So, so again, thank you so much, Hannah. I really, really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, Jim. What a powerful podcast session today and hearing Jim talk about his emotional burnout journey and all the steps that it took for his recovery really reminds us of the importance of community as we work through burnout. He talked a lot about tapping into yourself and being your true self in all aspects of your life and the importance of connection and intimacy as you go through your burnout journey. As women and men, we are all searching for what lights us up and keeps us healthy. And together, we can learn how to burn bright and not burn out. To our listeners, for more information on Jim, please visit him at www.thecenteredcoach.com. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at sheshattersllc.